Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is Audio Dave, and welcome to another episode of The Cabin, the official podcast of Discover Wisconsin. That's my commercial voice. I'm so happy to have you here with us, but I've got a quick little editor's note for you before we jump in. Now, I'm sure many of you are aware that last Thursday, the news came out that a number of state parks and forests would be closing down while we get this coronavirus situation under control. Unfortunately, the idea of heading into nature to escape society doesn't quite work when everybody has the same idea at the same time. Now, this episode was recorded before this news came out, so if anybody references going to the parks, I know I for sure did, please keep that in mind. We're trying to stay as current as possible during all of this, but please be patient with us if we get behind on any breaking news and always check for up-to-date policies before heading out on any sort of adventures. Be safe, be responsible, and hang in there while we all get through this together. Now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 11 of The Cabin. Yay! We did it. You know, as lovely as you all are on video, it doesn't compare to sitting in the cabin I forget. I've like Miss I have. It. I've had so little human contact over the last three weeks. It's like, uh, it's just not the same. But we're making it's it work. Not as cozy. It's we're definitely not, not cozy. nearly as cozy. The quarantine cabin, yeah, not nearly as good. No, it isn't. But we're making do, and I'm very excited about today's topic. This is one that I find there are a lot of folks out out there in the world that are very surprisingly passionate about what we're about to talk about. I feel like the odds are stacked against us. There are too many that we're going to miss that will outweigh the ones that we hit, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. We'll we'll be able to do part 27 eventually. There are hundreds and hundreds of things we could address with this topic. Well, like last week, we promised that we were going to release a seven hour episode. So I hope I hope that's still the plan. (laughs) Eric, you're you're just going to talk about highways for hours and hours, right? I could prattle. It's one of my specialties (laughs) on the highways. Yeah, you certainly could. Well, we're talking about really fun, cool, weird, quirky roadside attractions in Wisconsin. When I say quirky, I mean it. Things are getting kind of funky. I like it. You guys are going to like it, I think. Quirky much better than quarantini. Let's do this. is presented by the Wisconsin Counties Association, and this week we're featuring Washera County. It's about 80 miles north of Madison, so pretty close to being right in the middle of the state. I'd call it centrally located. In 1860, less than 9,000 people lived in Washera County. As of 2010, it's grown to more than 24,000. So I like that, though. It still means it's not an overly, you know, kind of an overpopulated county. You can get around without running into too many people. Nah, there's lots of nice room to roam, hunt, fish. Yeah, there really is. A small town called Rodney is known as the county's ghost town. Well, there's a fact for you. I tell you, it gets no respect. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite fact. There are nearly 100 lakes in Washera County. I love that. Home to three official rustic roads to bike and 23 miles of the Ice Age Trail go through Washera County. There's a lot to yeah, love. It's right, it's right on the ridge where the glaciers were coming down. And so that's why you see a lot of the Ice Age Trail going through there. And that's why there's so many like picturesque hills and lakes there. You know, it's lovely because we, you get a lot of we get a lot of our followers asking about places they can go, especially if they're in the they live and work in the southern part of the state and they want to get to that Northwoods 
feel without driving in the car for four or five hours. Well, Sherrick County is nice because it is, I mean, it's very accessible to basically the entire state, pretty easy to get to and just has a lot to offer. We did a show on Washera County last year, I want to say, ish, mm-hmm. I think last mm-hmm. year. So go stream it on YouTube. Uh, just lovely area. I love it. And it's easy to get to through I-39 and then highways 21 and 23. You can crisscross through there and check it all out. Yeah. And I believe, oh gosh, I don't know if it's going to make it into our conversation, but there's a very famous giant fiberglass cow in the parking lot of a very famous supper club in Washera County. So that's a little teaser nugget for you for the uh, conversation about to ensue here on the cabin. It is. And I'm talking about a different cow too, as one of those roadside attractions. Of course, Wisconsin Ooh. would have more than one giant fiberglass <laughs> fiberglass cow in its <laughs> state. Between I mean, cows and mice, we've got a lot of them. And beer. We need one giant per beer. <laughs> <laughs> We should make a map, like an inter- an interactive map of all the weird roadside attractions. Eric, get on that. Oh, I feel like that has to happen. I have to that for my already. state trunk tour site. Yeah, you have oh. that already. Yeah, perfect. It's mm-hmm. not it's not complete. It's still a work in progress because there's hundreds to choose from. You want to give us done. a plug on that website? Sure, statetrunktour.com, touring state highways end to end and noting everything along the way, including which is why I know so much about this topic. <laughs> lots of quirky roadside attractions. Very nice. I was actually thinking, since we're not playing Wisconsin in 72 this week, that I'm just going to keep a tally of how many highway numbers that you throw out off the top of your head, and we'll, okay. we can bet on the over-under of what, what that ends up being. Anyone want to venture a guess? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I could guess. It's just, it's just who you are at this point. You can't help but drop a highway or rustic route number some people are name droppers i'm a highway dropper you are a highway so dropper. <laughs> okay well let's get right to it okay all right let's so wisconsin's it. oddest roadside attractions uh, i gotta start with what i'm going to deem kind of the king of them all which in my opinion is the world's largest musky in Hayward, which happens to be the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. I, I have to believe this is one of the most well-known roadside attractions in the state of Wisconsin. Nothing really compares to this thing. It's 143 feet long, 45 feet tall. The muskie does have an observation deck. You can kind of see it from the road, actually. It's in the mouth of the muskie. You can climb inside and check it out. I didn't know this. It's actually the world's largest fiberglass sculpture. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. It's four stories tall, and it's as long as a Boeing 757. And it gets about 100,000 annual visitors. So not only, well, that probably explains why it's probably the most famous uh, roadside attraction on this list, is it's probably the most visited roadside attraction of everything we're about to mention, I would think. Yeah, you can't get inside that fish during like the Lumberjack Championships and some of the other big events in Hayward. It is really a big destination for people up there. But the rest of the time, you can roam around inside that fish. There's all those uh, plaques of people who have all these records for catching fish, you know, freshwater fish. And then, yeah, climb up the stairs to the mouth. There's video of me waving out of that mouth. Really? For the show? Not for the show. For my road trip website. But oh, cool. I was going to say. You, if you to want it for that. the show for anything, I'll happily give you the footage. Yeah, I was sure you was, was clamoring think- for that. <laughs> <laughs> We're dying for that footage. Yeah, no, I, I remember going when I was really young, but it's been a long time since I've made a trip to the uh, world's largest muskie. I think I'm overdue, but definitely very cool. And it's like 
the symbol of Hayward. I mean, Hayward's got a lot mm-hmm. going for it. There's a lot, you know, you could picture so much when you think of the city of Hayward, but that muskie, I think, I mean, it comes top of mind, does it not? Absolutely. Well, it's the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame there, too. It's the crown jewel in there. And it towers above all the other stuff in Hayward, except for the water tower. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Eric, your serve. I will dish up the world's largest talking cow. Naturally. Mm. Yes. uh, Her name is Chatty Bell. Perfect. (laughs) She's right along US Highway 10 in Nielsville which is the seat of Clark County. And it's actually, it's a really cool, the cow actually couldn't speak for a while. They restored the voice not too long ago. And Chatty Bell will tell you all these facts about cows and about the dairy industry and all this other really cool stuff if you just stop by and see her. And the other cool thing is there's a radio station right next to Chatty Bell. And it's in this funky, cool building from the 60s that was actually the Wisconsin exhibit at the 1964 World's Fair in New York. No way. They took took that building that was in New York, and it looks like uh, kind of a Jetsons-style building in a way. And uh, when the World's Fair was over, they trucked it back to Wisconsin and put it up right there. And again, that's just on the east side of Nielsville. So it's kind of a two for one, really. But that's a functioning radio station in there, too. I don't know if they have Chatty Bell on for any shows, but I have some questions about this cow. So if it's a really large cow, like how is it speak? Like, is it really loud? Do you press a button? What what all can this cow say? Yeah, there's there's buttons. How self-aware is this cow? I haven't listened. <laughs> I haven't listened to Chatty's entire conversation, but uh, and the last time I saw Chatty was during the time it, Chatty wasn't working. But uh, <laughs> what did they call her then? She was giving you the silent treatment. Yeah, what was her name? <laughs> Boy, that's a good question. Yeah, they still called her Chatty Bell, but there should have been a good nickname: uh, Silent <laughs> Bell, Whiskey Bell. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> I know a band called the Whiskey Bells. That's why I came to mind. But yeah, it's she'll just spin yarns about milk and cheese and dairy and, you know, what it's like to have udders. I don't know. I have a photo. I'm, I made our videographer stop. We were driving from Northwest Wisconsin all the way to like Eagle River or something. And I don't remember. Somehow we ended up going through Nielsville. I don't remember where we were exactly, but then you weren't going to Eagle River from Northwestern I, Wisconsin. I'm trying to remember. I know I'm like in my head, we were in Northwest Wisconsin. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. We were, it was a long drive. That's what I do remember. And I was like, can we please take a little bit of a detour so that I can take a picture of this cow? I don't remember it talking either. So I wonder if when I was there, it was a it, couple of years where Chatty Bell wasn't working. So. Okay. Then maybe I was, I was visiting during that time, but it's epic and it's the ultimate. I mean, you can't really take a selfie. I guess you could try, but it's the ultimate like family photo background. In yeah, you'd have to be you'd have to be creative with your angles. I actually first heard about Chatty Bell uh, on a radio station in Los Angeles when they were talking about weird no things way. around the country. Oh, that's funny! A wow. station in LA called K Rock. I still have to record. <laughs> I recorded that that morning because I'm also a radio geek, and they were talking about Chatty Bell, and they were going to road trip to see these things, and they said. I've never been there, but I can tell you that's about 600 miles from anywhere, which is exactly what a guy in L.A. would say. But <laughs> Nielsville's out there, too. There's not a whole lot nearby. No, so. there's not. There's not. And we're here as a podcast to prove them wrong. There's tons that's of right. things around there. <laughs> 
Kevin and Bean, we're going to show you all kinds of cool stuff. That's my shout out to K-Rock in LA. All right, uh, Mariah, you go for the next one. Did you know that Wisconsin is home to the world's largest penny? I did know that. Yeah, you guys are a boring <laughs> audience because you, you all knew this. I was Ugh. there. You, yeah. Oh, you went to it? Were you on our shoot? Or Yeah. Oh. I Obviously, I didn't make much of an impression. <laughs> I remember. Ow, I made okay. a video for my road trip website on that, too. I'm running past it in this montage, and it's huge. Yeah. In my defense, I remember that shoot because it was April of it 2019. Was so cold. It was freezing, and we were trying to make it look like it was summer. So yeah. I had to like take off. I had like this spring jacket and I had to like take it off and quick do my on cam and do that 19 million times. I'm pretty sure my lips are blue in this spot. <laughs> so, <laughs> you were a trooper. It so, was I, it was too cold to hold the boom pole and you had to make it look like it was summer. Yeah. If I don't remember much from that shoot, that's probably why. Because I was like really <laughs> losing it. But anyway, that was fun though. It was cool to see just this giant penny. I mean, it is exactly what it sounds like. I do like the story behind it was a fundraising effort back in 1953 in the town of Woodruff, which is right outside of Minocqua, if you're not quite sure where this little tiny town is. Dr. Kate Pelham Newcomb encouraged local school kids to save their pennies so that Woodruff could build a hospital. So now the giant Abraham Lincoln monument is there to remember the 1.7 million pennies that were raised to build the local hospital. You can find it at 823rd Avenue. It's kind of right in front of this, I think it's an apartment complex. It's actually a senior living home, I think. Is it a senior living home? Okay. Yeah. But it's like a block off of US 51. Yeah. Right so you don't, we didn't have trouble finding it. Mm -hmm. yeah. you can't, it's easy to stumble across, actually. I, I remember my on-cam line, dang it, I should have looked this up before we started here, but I remember my on-cam that I had to say for the spot incorporated the weight of the penny. It was like, oh yeah, wasn't it like 18,000 pounds? Or, I'm totally misspeaking here. It, but it's now, big and it's solid. It must weigh a bunch. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna nine try tons? That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah that's what it, the Google is saying. The Google? 12, <laughs> 12 inches thick, 15 feet high. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. So that's what I have for you. The world's largest penny in Woodruff. Well, I'll go back to central Wisconsin and give you two roadside attractions in Marshfield. Mm, love the area. One of them is the world's largest round barn. Wisconsin is kind of unique in that there are a couple of round barns in the state. There's very few elsewhere, uh, but they were a popular thing for a while, about 100 years ago. And this particular round barn opened in 1916, and it is now the centerpiece building. They're still using it. It started as a barn, and now they use it for shows and everything. It's the centerpiece of the central Wisconsin State Fairgrounds. Oh. So it's Excuse right me there. While I Google, what the heck is a round barn? Yeah, it's when a you barn say that's round, round barn, I just picture like a silo. Are we talking? Are we talking oh, no, like, like an the actual roof barn. is round as well? It's an actual barn. Uh, yeah functioning barn but instead of the standard square shape or rectangular shape it's oh, sure enough got a yeah, round footprint it's pretty yeah Does very cool green county i think has a really well-known round barn i want to say yeah they're not that common i mean obviously anymore but man they're cool i mean just they are cool they're so cool to see i've never been inside the one you're talking did you shoot there eric for the marshfield show we were there for the cheese chase and some other things in marshfield and i ventured in there briefly they were okay. they had a couple of uh, run related events in there but yeah during the central wisconsin state fair i mean they're, they're showing off horses and they're doing all kinds of things in that That's barn cool. so it's cool I'd and then 
Also in Marshfield, just not too far away, is Jurassic Park, which is this really cool, like, artistic park where dinosaurs are made out of all this metal and all this cool stuff. And Sounds so random, and it's I love it. Random, but that's yes. what makes odd Wisconsin roadside attractions cool is their randomness. Because yes. who the heck would set out to do that? <laughs> that reminds me a lot of Dr. Evermore's... Mm. What is it? Forever Tron? Yeah. Mm. Have you been there? I have it, not. I think we featured an entire, it on the show a long time ago. Like scrapyard of all these super intricate art pieces made out of like scrap metal. And I if I remember correctly, the guy who built all of it used to do some of the sculptures for House on the Rock. And then mm. kind of broke off and did his own thing. But it's this entire, like, it's a very unassuming place when you pull up to it because it's just this, like, junkyard. And I think it's like a secondhand store or something attached to it. But you walk back and every corner you take is just something more incredible than you just saw. And it's there's a whole orchestra made out of, like, these lawn ornaments that are made out of metal and everything. It's It was so cool to walk around. And I think that's in Sauk Prairie area. It is in North Freedom. Yeah. I am really glad you brought this up because I am 99% sure that I just heard that he passed away a few days ago. Dr. Evermore oh, wow. did. Oh. Yes. Yeah, it was all over my Facebook and LinkedIn because obviously he played a big role in Wisconsin tourism. And he, you know, even though I know we said we haven't been there, this is a very well-known park that people will drive to or even fly into from all over the place just because it's so out there. Yeah. Yeah, he was 81. Oh, so this is, I think, the perfect year to go and check that out in his yeah. honor. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because now I have even more... I think inspiration to go check it out. It's super cool. Yeah. Me too. Absolutely. Definitely have to check that one out. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, okay. another one. Yes. How about Ben Biken? The world's largest bicyclist. Yeah. The bicycle man of Sparta, otherwise known as Ben Biken, stands 32 feet tall on East Wisconsin Street in Sparta. Uh, the fiberglass sculpture depicts a man riding an old-fashioned high-wheeler Victorian bicycle. It is really cool to see. It's ginormous. It's really, it's in this pretty park setting too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's what's a little bit tricky about these roadside attractions is you can't always, it, sometimes a little surprising where the, they pop up and sometimes getting the best photos is difficult because of the things behind them or next to them. But Ben Biken really is in a, you know, just right in the middle of Sparta in a really pretty park setting. It is actually pretty easy to get a picture, I think. Oh, it's um, right there. It's right yeah. there at a main crossroads, Highway 16 and 21 and a couple of others. I believe that it was moved to that location. I think it was at a different location in Sparta for a while. I want to say, don't quote me on that, but I think it got moved to this location here on East Washington. Uh, a very picturesque. I had a, I did a little mini photo shoot of uh, Ben Biken when we were there filming. Um, obviously, you know, Sparta, I don't know, maybe this isn't as well known, but it's a, it's a v very well-known bicycling community. You have the Elroy Sparta trail right there, really gorgeous. So Ben Biken is kind of um, a symbol of the really amazing bicycling culture right there in the Sparta area. And it was built by Fast Corp, which I do want to talk about for a second because oh, yeah. this is, in my opinion, one of the weirdest. I know we're talking about some very <laughs> odd roadside attractions, but this place is so bizarre in the best way. I didn't go there for the show, but it's one of the things actually that after I saw it in the, our Sparta episode, 
which you can watch on YouTube. I actually did go get in the car. I brought my dog with me and we made our way to Sparta to go look at a a few things in the area actually. And that was just so weird. Basically you have a, what I'm going to call a graveyard of these ginormous fiberglass sculptures, everything from giant puppies to just huge water slides and every animal imaginable, weird little creatures all scattered about this wide open field. It's just really bizarre. Have you guys been to it before? Oh yeah. I have not. It's a really cool, it's a very pretty roadside attraction for sure. It's well-maintained. And you could bring Josie with? Yeah. So, well, to Ben Biken for sure, because it's just out and about. When we went yeah. to the Fast Corp, I think I had her in the car. I don't think I actually let her out. I'm not sure if you can or I can't okay. see why not, but I also I've milled don't around want to assume there. it. I've milled around there, but I've never seen people take their dogs out there because there's also a lot of sharp stuff oh, in there. You yeah. know, sure. There's probably you a lot of reasons why you shouldn't. My dog, as you guys know, is a little mischievous. So there's plenty of times <laughs> where I stopped there for 15 minutes and she was in the car and we were like, okay, I'm just going to go take some pictures and, and leave. It is. I was the only one there though. So it was when I was there, it was kind of creepy. <laughs> it, could definitely, oh. it definitely was. And I remember the sun was setting and I brought my camera. It feels like an actual graveyard. It, no, when I say graveyard, I'm like, this really feels like a graveyard. I'm waiting for the creatures to like their eyes to pop open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very bizarre. What? Like the fiberglass elephant holding the beach ball and stuff like that. It's so weird. Yeah. It's it's like an acid trip. So (laughs) weird. So in this company is basically behind all of the fiberglass roadside attractions in the state or all all over the country. All over. Yeah. Yeah. All over. In fact, I would venture to guess the vast majority, if not all of them, honestly, on our list were probably made. All the fiberglass ones were probably made by fast. Probably. Cool. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the water parks out there and all the weird fiberglass stuff they have of water shooting out of them and kids climbing out, that's all done by fast. It's it's just, how does a company like that get started? I, I really would yeah. like to know. <laughs> Very cool stuff. Got to find your market niche. A yeah, couple you do. quickies. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wrap this up here in a sec. I got to give a shout out to the Bronze Fonz in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. It's a very unique roadside attraction. It's from when TV Land was doing classic. TV show characters. Bronze Fonz was a little controversial when it first got put up here. But uh, it, a lot of people said, oh, Milwaukeeans hate hearing about Laverne and Shirley and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, we're so much more than that. But it's like... Don't be grumpy, guy, Milwaukee. I know. One guy was like, <laughs> you know, oh my God, New York and Chicago would never do this. Well, New York has a statue of the Honeymooners and Chicago has a statue of Bob Newhart. So shut up. Right? <laughs> Tell <laughs> us how you Fonz, really feel. He was dedicated in 2008, and I was there cool. when they did that. And That's Henry cool. Winkler was there. And wow. a bunch of cast members from the show were there. And so awesome. I met Cindy Williams. I met Henry Winkler, who was really cool. And I met Marion Ross, Mrs. C, who said she wanted to get a picture with this handsome young man. And that was me at the time. Hey. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's <laughs> shocker. Oh, but, wow. Uh, yeah, I was only 37. You know, I was just a young pup. I can see why yeah. you wanted to end with this odd roadside attraction. It came with such a f- flattering story, Eric. I know. It's like, oh, Marion Ross, you rock. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And then uh, for Ellen, we got to shout out one more. Oh, obviously. Because the UW lacrosse grad loves her world's largest six pack. 
Oh yes, I do. We all love that. Who we all love doesn't love living just a exactly. you know a mile or a few blocks away from the world's largest six pack in La Crosse, Wisconsin? I think Giant every college student at UWL has to go see. It. I think every college student sees it at least once mm-hmm. or drives past mm-hmm. it a million times. And what they are six holding tanks for what was old style beer forever and ever when it was G Heilman Brewing, and now it's owned. It's the city brewery. And so now they're repainted with lacrosse lager, I think, right? Oh. They've repainted them a few times. Um, yeah, I think but that's yeah, right. Yeah, it's just, they're they're full of beer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, one, of, one cool. of the few functional odd mm-hmm. roadside attractions between the six-pack and lacrosse and probably the world's largest muskie in Hayward, there's a probably only two that I can think of. Because that that's are, a functional there's fish. There's also one in Well, <laughs> it's a... Uh, I mean, it serves a purpose in that it's a museum. Yeah. It's not just a giant fiberglass thing. True. Yeah. True. You know. Mm-hmm. But it's not filled with food, the world's largest muskie. If it was filled with fish, that'd be weird. Uh, that and then one weird. quick shout out to Beloit and the world's largest can of chili, because that's filled with Hormel, too, right off the interstate. So Delicious. Yes. All right. Though There are many more, but we'll get to those another time. That's for another episode. All right. Uh, Eric, you want to tell us about this week's sponsor? I think I shall. This week's episode of The Cabin is sponsored by the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board, the WSMB, which sounds like a radio station to me. The WSMB is a great organization, though. They're dedicated to providing resources to soybean farmers throughout the state. They share tons of stories, data, and research from soybean farmers. They work a lot with the UW Extension Program, fund research products or projects, well, and products. And you can check out their Facebook page at Badger Bean or their blog at badgerbean.com. And you can find out more about the WSMB and all their ongoing initiatives at wisoybean.org. All right, Mariah Haberman, we are now going to move to a more serious topic because this there's some important salutes we have in this state to our veterans. Wisconsin's mm-hmm. military tributes is the topic on Discover Wisconsin this weekend. And uh, we, we really need to give the shout outs, if you will, to some of these uh, wonderful places around the state. Yes, this has been actually a very requested episode for quite some time. So I am super thrilled that we were able to pull it off. There's a lot of, you know, veteran stories and general military tributes worth talking about. And it was difficult boiling it down, but I'm very, I'm just really excited to premiere this episode. I think you can actually stream it now on YouTube. So if you do want a sneak peek or if you're listening to this after, you know, several weeks after we premiered the show, you can go and stream it on YouTube. And please do because obviously I love people watching all of our shows, but this one I will say, I don't, I swear I don't say this that often, but it is special. I mean, it's just one of those episodes that is very special. The people we featured, the tone and style of the show in general, that was something I know our producer Jenny wanted to note, uh, we couldn't have her on today, but you know, she said from the beginning, she just wanted the show to feel different from our typical episodes to be a little bit more story driven and focused on the experiences of Wisconsin veterans and active duty military members. And we really wanted them to be the star of the show, you know, and, uh, it's just, it was just, yeah, it was really a very fulfilling episode to just, to get to be a part of. And there are a lot of stories to share. And in the four that are in this episode, two of them are actually right next to each other. 
That's true. Over in Oshkosh. And the first one is the Military Veterans Museum and Education Center, which is right along I-41 at the end of Highway 26. Easy to find and get to. And it is filled with a lot of great salutes and a lot of great information. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, I'm ashamed to admit this. I was a student at UW Oshkosh, four years in that city. And uh, while I had gone to the EAA Museum a couple of times, I had not been to the Military Veterans Museum and Education Center until we filmed this episode. And man, I was missing out because it is amazing. And you know what? I think some people will ask themselves what they can do to help our veterans or give back in any way. And obviously, it's impossible to completely, you know, repay them in any sort of way. But I think one of the best things that you can do is learn and take it in and go visit some of these tributes and these museums. That's just, I could never, I think I talked about this in the show a little bit. I can never really fully wrap my head around what it would be like to be in the military. I just, you know, I wasn't, I listened to all my dad's stories and other family members, but you know, the best course of action I think I can take is to learn as much as I can at some of the amazing museums that are all around the state of Wisconsin and the tributes for that matter. And you can learn a lot about like the vehicles they were using. The largest collection of military vehicles in Wisconsin is at this museum uh, that was started by five World War II veterans. And they, they had all their military artifacts and they wanted to share them and teach others about their experiences, about the wars we've had. And uh, so I think that was really cool of them to, to pull what they had and go through the, the trouble, if you will, of, of starting a museum. Couldn't have been easy, but they really, they did a great thing to start this. Yeah. And I think what's really cool, at least what surprised me was this is not a museum where you've got roped off exhibits. It's, you know, you've got these giant military vehicles that you could walk right up to. And it was kind of surreal as a civilian who's never been in any sort of battle or war. It was like, wow, this is this is as close as I may ever be to a truck like this. And just to see the machine guns right next to them and just to try to to have just a little bit more compassion or empathy for what some of these people were driving in. And, you know, you can't possibly begin to imagine what it was like being in any of these wars, but it is just, it does put you into a different stratosphere of like just trying to understand what life is like as a member of the military. Well, you will see there aren't uh, many creature comforts, if you will, mm-hmm. in a lot of these vehicles and everything. And yeah, you can go up and touch them and do all kinds of stuff. They're designed to be able to be banged around a little. Oh, it's yeah. not like a it's not like a fragile vase or anything no. like that. These are <laughs> these are designed Pretty for the rugged. rough stuff. So, oh, yeah. you know, little kids can go up and touch them all they want. They're not going to. Yeah, actually, (laughs) the open of the show, if you watch the show, you're going to see, you might be able to tell the camera's up pretty high, and I'm down on the floor of the museum walking toward the camera, and our camera guy and our producer, Teddy and Jenny, were up, I think, if I remember this correctly, they were up in an army tank, filming from the top of the army tank and shooting down on me, not with a... Gun, oh, really? but the camera. <laughs> uh, and that was, I remember they kept saying, okay, we got to shoot Mariah now. I'm like this, this shooting Mariah thing is taking on a whole new context when you guys term. are, when you guys are standing inside an army tank, <laughs> I was trying to get through the line very quickly, very intimidating, but no, it was, it was very cool. It was a very cool way to kick off the show for sure. Highly recommend. Did yeah. you meet Brutus? No, I did not. I believe they interviewed him at a, on a, at a different day on a different shoot. Yeah, that was a cool story about this gun truck that the gentleman, he was a driver of this truck and kind of to commemorate all of those he he served with, he like rebuilt this truck and got it in working order and they like take it in parades and everything. It was really cool. 
touching story. It's very cool. There's a lot there with Oshkosh. And of course, you know, not only you went to school there, Mariah, but Oshkosh truck is located there. Yeah. And they certainly, you know, they make a lot of these vehicles too for the military now. So you've got the trucks and then you've got the aircraft right next yeah. door. Yes. I mean, EAA is just, I, without, so I'd been to the museum. I'd never been to the event. The first time I had been to the event was for this episode, actually. Oh, it was, cool. it was, oh my gosh. It, it, it had been on my bucket list forever until finally last summer. In fact, when I found out, found out we were doing this episode, I personally went up to the producer and said, can I please go on the EAA shoot? Because I have not yet been, I've been dying to go. They don't always invite hosts to all the events because they're always kind of chaotic. So that was one I thought <laughs> we might get left behind, but I weaseled my way in. Was really hoping to see Harrison Ford or John Travolta. <laughs> Didn't see either. It's just really a tough event. Has, Dave, have you been there to EAA by chance? No, Eric, you said you I had. haven't. Okay, no, I've I have family that goes every year, and I've I've heard great things. And I actually reached out to Jenny to see if I could go as well, but apparently <laughs> I didn't get the invite. <laughs> I would have <laughs> too. I, I didn't wanted, even have the heads I wanted up. to record all the planes going overhead. Oh man, it was, it was it's really it cool. It was very cool. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, Mariah, did you know Harrison Ford does like to go to EAA? But did you know he went to school in Ripon College? You know, someone, I didn't know that until someone mentioned it. I think I did a fair amount of conversing about Harrison Ford last summer when we were at EAA trying to learn all about him because that was mentioned. And then also, I think he still heads or or he did for a long time, like some EAA club for kids. Like he was in charge of some committee of some sort where he was really working to get kids interested in aviation, which I thought was just super awesome. Yeah. It's huge, a ginormous event. I mean, it brings in thousands of people and just fascinating and all the different types of things there are to do. The actual air show, you, I kind of wondered before I went, like, okay, is this going to get old seeing, you know, aircraft go up after hmm. an hour? No, it it doesn't. Hmm. It genuinely doesn't. I, re- I, I remember being like mind blown when I saw, I might've told you guys about this. When I saw the helicopter, when the helicopters go up, I'm like, what is a helicopter going to do in an air show? I mean, they seem not as dimensional <laughs> as, yeah. as a, an airplane. They were going upside down. Like they were flying upside down. I just like, I got sick wow. to my stomach. I'm like, they're not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> it was wow. so wild. I just could not. There's oh. Some pretty crazy stunts I've heard. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's crazy. It is so crazy. I loved it. It's been voted one of the best aviation collections in the world all year round by CNN Travel. And yeah, (laughs) when you're at Air Venture, it truly is spectacular. And I mean, a lot of advanced military aircraft are there, too. I mean, stealth bombers, all kinds of crazy things. So you, you can't get bored there because the variety of aircraft there is amazing. Yeah, the the aircraft... And like you said, the people you get to meet, I mean, there were some really cool, there was an area where they had folks, you know, military members there at the actual aircraft, some really cool historic aircraft. You could go right up to them and ask them about it, which was really awesome. I think there was an interview featured, I think, in the show that ended up making the episode where I just got to chat. I got to climb right inside the helicopter. It was a really cool historic helicopter. Talked to a military member about what it was, you know, like flying it and how they used it in war, which is really special. I would say I think that the high point for me was meeting and interviewing one of the Tuskegee Airmen. That was, yeah, that was so cool. And 
I think the coolest part about it is it was unplanned. You know, with our shoots, we typically try to kind of schedule everything out. But for this, we noticed people were kind of lined up to talk to him. Same was James. And we thought, well, what's going on here? And we asked a few people around us and they said, oh, he's one of the original Tuskegee Airmen. Overcame racism. If you guys don't know who the Tuskegee Airmen were, they overcame racism and segregation and become one of the most celebrated groups in U.S. military history. The story is phenomenal. I went and, I mean, I knew of the Tuskegee Airmen, but not super well. And I remember after that shoot, I just went home and did a deep dive into it because it was, it's just fascinating and he could not have been kinder and nicer. And that was pretty yeah. special. I've been to Tuskegee in Alabama and the stories of them are all over the place on that campus down there the Tuskegee yeah. oh really I, it's, yeah it's really cool. cool so yeah that would have been oh man that would have been cool to meet it him was, too it was but very got cool to, and that was great yeah yeah well shall we move to higher ground oh yeah this place is and this is be the second time in a podcast for the first time ever we've talked about Nielsville. oh yeah i think you're right because <laughs> one of the big attractions in Nielsville, along with the world's largest talking cow is the high ground, which is an amazing place to be. Mm-hmm. It's this memorial park, it's on high ground, appropriately enough, uh, covers about 155 acres. And it's just this gigantic memorial that honors those who lost their lives and who served and you know made the sacrifices for our country. So it's, it's open all year round, all day, all night. Uh, I know a lot of uh, you know, motorcycle groups and everything, they have... Mm-hmm. Uh, trips up there and uh, and Veterans Day, Memorial Day in those days, there's a lot of events happening. And it's a really, really awesome place to just be because you you get the sense of it just standing around there, everything that everybody went through. It's, it is truly one of those destinations that you just cannot, you can't give it justice talking about it. You have to go experience it. It's everything EAA is not, or Air Venture is not in terms of, by that I mean EAA, (laughs) the event is fun, chaotic, crazy. There's a lot going on. It's very, very loud. The high ground in Nielsville is very quiet and there could be tons and tons of people there, but you wouldn't guess it or know it because everyone is being extremely respectful. There's, they will have regularly hold ceremonies. The legacy stone ceremony is what I got to witness. That's where veterans, and they don't have to be veterans actually that have passed. There were actually veterans there who were getting their name inscribed on a stone. And then that stone goes into a permanent memorial walkway at the high ground. And then they do this really great thing where they line up all of the veterans in two different lines. Everyone, all the veterans that were there and the rest of us get in our own line and we go through and meet all of them and just you say whatever you want to say to you. obviously a lot of people were thanking them for their service but some people were asking them questions about their service and I love you know I said earlier what can you do to you know attempt to give back or show your gratitude for veterans part of it is learning but the other part of it I think is just talking and meeting and having a conversation and that was I think a really special aspect of the high ground at least for my day being there I loved it yeah, there's, uh, I think, 15 or so tributes every year, right? That sounds about right. And part of it is uh, the bike tours. And I mentioned those before, but uh, two examples are the Heroes Ride bike tour and the Ride to Remember rally, uh, which really uh, they tend to start or go to the high ground and go to different parts around the state in organized rides that sometimes take you know a couple of days apiece. And it's just groups of people and a lot of veterans, of course, who are riding to and from the high ground. And a lot of it's done to raise money. 
Yes. Yeah. It's really great. I did want to share the meaning behind the high ground. This really stuck with me when I interviewed a couple of people at the high ground, two of my favorite interviews ever, actually. They explained to me that the reason it's called the high ground is when you're in battle, it's very common for one you know, military member to say to another before they're about to go into battle, we'll see you on the high ground. In other words, we'll see you on the other side of this. And when someone passes, that's another way of acknowledging their death is also by saying, we'll see you on the high ground. Uh, he explains it just beautifully in the episode. And that, you know, I had some ideas of why it was called that. And I assumed a lot of it had to do with the topography of, of the park itself. I didn't quite realize how just in depth, how meaningful it really was when he said that I got chills just because I had never, I have never had to say that to anyone. So to really, you know, hear that those were their parting words, they didn't know if they were going to see their best friend again at the other, on the other side of this, you know, battle that they were going into. It just, oh man, it really does. It gives you a whole new perspective. And that's probably the word I would use most with this show is especially for those who aren't in the military, haven't been in the military is even those who are, um, I think it helps give you a newfound sense of gratitude and just new perspective in general. Yeah. And I have heard those expressions, but it is fitting that it is on a high point yeah. in the area because the views you get from the high ground too are, are breathtaking. So it's a, it's a wonderful place to visit. And uh, especially if you can get to one of those events. Yes. Now, another place, uh, I guess this is the final one in the episode, is a place a lot of us drive right past very frequently because it's right off the interstate. That's right. So Volk Field Air National Guard Base is a military airport where the Wisconsin National Guard has been training for over 130 years. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. They hold huge training sessions every year where military members from all around the country take part in wartime training scenarios. I liked that we featured this because I don't know about you, Eric, but for me, like you said, you drive kind of through that area all the time on the highway. And I always kind of thought there was an air of mystery. I, I always wondered, what's it like <laughs> there in that little tiny military town and in Volk Field itself? And we got to get, a, they actually let us bring our cameras in and uh, do some interviews, which I thought was fun to get a true peek behind the curtain. Yeah, it's right on 90 and 94 between Toma and, and the Dells. And it's right where you see all these rock outcroppings, mm -hmm. Castle Rock and all of these, uh, what used to be islands back when Wisconsin was an ocean. And uh, so the, the geography is striking. And then you see Volk Field right there. And yeah, it's all fenced off. So everybody gets curious. What's back there? You see the barracks from the freeway and everything. And uh, to see what they do back there is, is really cool in this episode. Yeah. This is very cool. Dave, did you, I'm assuming you audio designed this episode already? Yeah. What'd you think? Yep. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to do a deep dive into my sound effects for planes and aviation oh, and stuff cool. like that. But no, it was a lot like what you were saying. The difference between EAA and the high ground was a fun juxtaposition to mm -hmm. explore like the the fast the crowd noises the like planes flying overhead at ea and then just peaceful nature sounds at the high ground was was really fun yeah very cool show just trying to do the imagery justice yeah, you did well mariah i know you uh learned a lot and experienced a lot in this episode and it's really going to be a great one to watch this weekend so check it on your local listings or watch it at discoverwisconsin.com uh, it's on youtube there and of course the other ott sources as we like to call it the amazon fire google play 
Apple TV, and there's one or two I'm missing, Mariah. Smart TV, Google, Chromecast, Amazon Fire, Roku. I'm saying I'm out of order, so uh, I don't Roku remember. Roku is the one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Any of those things, you, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah, the show is called Wisconsin's Military Tributes. So go Google it. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. You won't regret it. Perfect. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> After you go and binge Discover Wisconsin, then you can go and binge listen to The Cabin, like you are right now, I hope, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Not only do we want you to leave us a review, but go share it with someone that you think would really love the show here. We want to obviously share the coolest tips and advice and just all things Wisconsin with as many people as we can. So that would really mean a lot to us if you could share it. And again, I know we say this every episode, but leave us a review. I do want to shout out uh, one of our more recent reviews. This is from Wisconsin Grandpa who says, subject line, great show, exclamation point. Residents of Wisconsin know this is the greatest place to live. You are doing a great job in telling the rest of the world. Well, thank you, Wisconsin grandpa. Heck yeah. Yeah. Those are the kind of comments we like. Absolutely. I know. (laughs) If my grandpa was not super (laughs) um, opposed or unable, I should say, to use any form of technology, I would assume that was him. But that is definitely not my grandpa writing that review. So get featured on our next episode of The Cabin by leaving us a super awesome, memorable review. You could be next. You never know. And of course, again, (laughs) no Wisconsin in 72 this week, but we just hope you are staying safe and staying sane and staying sane out there. (laughs) Sounds like you're slipping on that audio, Dave. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we just hope you're hanging in out there and taking notes for when this is all over and you get to go adventure again. Yeah. Hang in there and we'll be here with you next week as well. Yeah. We'll offer more virtual vacations. What are we going to be talking about next week? Yeah, what are we talking about next week? All right, next week, <laughs> we're going to make it a dozen. Episode 12, as we officially hit our three-month mark of the Cabin Podcast. Can you believe it? <laughs> nope. My gosh. Wow. Now, we hope to get back to our normal recording setup in a nice, cozy cabin as soon as we can. But we're going to be quarantined probably again next week. And we're looking forward to bringing some cool guests into the mix when we do get back to that cabin. But we're celebrating Earth Day next week. So we're going to talk about yeah. some of our favorite cool. state parks to check out, uh, or, as well yes. as conversation and our BTS. No, it says conservation, se- not conversation. Oh, conser- Holy cats. All right. <laughs> conversation about conservation. There we go. There we go. Conversation we about conservation. Okay. That'll to work. translate for us. <laughs> Speaking of state parks, I wanted to jump in with a trip report. Just so everyone knows that we're practicing what we're preaching out there. I got so inspired by our conversation about waterfalls last week Yay. that this past weekend, my wife and I took our dog to Governor Dodge State Park to check out Stevens Falls. Oh, nice. And it was awesome. Can you hear my clapping? Can you add yep. clapping sound effect? I can see your clapping. <laughs> that makes me so happy. What did you think of Stevens Falls? It was awesome. Yeah, it was a huge state park, which was unfortunate because we got all set to go hiking. And of course, once we hit the trailhead, uh, I have to pee. (laughs) So then we had to find a a bathroom that was still in operation because everything is shut down. But we found one all the way at the back of the park (laughs) by the uh, boat launch. But the hike was great and everything was beautiful despite it being brown in spring. But Jack, our dog, loved it, so he was happy to get out of the house. Sure. Well, the state parks are still open for your recreation pleasure. Just maintain social distancing and 
Use it mm-hmm. to get healthy. Yeah. Yes. Get a little mm-hmm. fresh air always does this well. So, so we're going to be talking about state parks next week and our behind the scenes segment. We're going to be talking all about Johnson Creek, another episode that's coming up. I can't wait. Today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by me, Mariah Haberman, Eric Paulson, and Dave Janis. Produced by me, Ellen Fallon, and Dave. Tune in next week for more campfire conversations and insight into the world of Discover Wisconsin. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover Media Works. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com and don't forget to leave us a review. And here's this week's installment of Know Your Wisconsin. Thanks to the Winter Olympics, curling is one of the fastest-growing sports in the U.S. But did you know that Wisconsin has been a curling hotbed for more than a century? Here at the Portage Curling Club in Columbia County, the tradition lives on. This is a sport that started in Scotland back 1400s, and it's been around a long time. It came to the United States in the 1700s, 1800s. This area of Wisconsin is one of the most condensed area. In the game of curling, heavy granite stones are sent spinning down the ice while sweepers, under the direction of a skip, try to guide the stone by furiously sweeping the ice in front of it. When thrown, stones usually curl left or right, thus the name curling. The scoring is very similar to what it would be in horseshoes. It's whoever's closest to the middle, that's called the button, that little white circle in the middle. Whoever's closest to that scores a point for each rock that they have closer than the opposing team. Men's and women's curling were officially made Olympic sports in 1998, and a mixed doubles curling event debuted at the 2018 Winter Olympics. Many Olympic and world champion curlers have gotten their start right here in Wisconsin, where kids start curling as young as seven years old. We have a very strong juniors program here, and it's a good sport because it teaches teamwork, but it also teaches some independent skills. It's physical and Uh, mental game. There's a strong tradition of good sportsmanship. At the end of the game, that's that's the most important thing. We're called historic portage to begin with. And then if you take a look at the history of, of curling, it's just one of those traditions that's been around for a long time. And now you know your Wisconsin.